the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my office in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park neighborhood, if you're familiar with that. It's basically between the Willow Glen neighborhood and the city of Campbell. So I'm right on Ross Avenue, just off of Hillsdale. <clears throat> I've been uh, in my new office here since August 1. I literally moved across the courtyard from the other building in my complex. So it was um, <clears throat> one of the shorter moves I've ever made. Not the shortest move, where I actually was in a building where I moved literally to the suite right next door. It was six feet down the hallway <laughs> to go into the new suite. This was across a, a courtyard, and um, you don't really realize how much you have in your office or any place for that matter until you start to move it, and then you realize, oh my gosh, where'd all this stuff come from? In any event, I was able to downsize somewhat, get rid of some things that uh, really didn't need any more. And I'm now comfortably settled into my new office here. For those of you who've been hearing about my upcoming workshop this coming Monday, I am pleased to say that it is sold out. Now, the tickets are free, so sold out may not be the best terminology, but uh, basically uh, all 15 chairs are taken. And uh, in response to the information that I was sold out, I have opened a new workshop, which will be on Wednesday, November 9th in my office from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So it's the middle of the day, if that works best for you. Uh, that's going to be in um, roughly, what would that be? I guess that's rough, That's two weeks or so, two and a half, three, maybe three weeks, roughly three weeks. And uh, you can always go to my website at lawbob.com. Click on the button that says register for upcoming workshop seminar. And information about the workshop and a registration button at the bottom uh, is there so you can click through and register. I've also just added a link so you can download a map with directions to my office. If you've never been here before and not familiar with the area, uh, I find that is very useful for people to actually have a physical map that they can print out and look at. I will say that using your phone to route to the office, it will get you here but it won't necessarily get you to 
the best place to park. The front parking lot of the office is quite small, often uh, full up in the middle of the day, but you can park around behind the office. There is some parking back there that's adjacent to a strip mall that's back there, and that's where most people actually park and then walk in and come upstairs. I'm on the second floor. As you exit the elevator, you go to the left, and mine is the office at the very end of the second floor. Now, don't worry. The building's not huge. There's only four or five offices on the second floor, so if you turn the wrong way, you'll quickly be able to find your way back to my office. I'm hoping um, people out there listening, you consider registering for that workshop. It's been very well received um, over the last year or so that I've been doing it. It's not your traditional living trust seminar, which I also do but haven't done for a while, in that I don't go into lots of the details about estate planning and wills and trusts and powers of attorney. Instead, I focus on more of a higher level of what are some of the reasons to do estate planning. And uh, and I ask people to think about those reasons in the course of the workshop and answer a questionnaire as we go through the workshop. And at the end, you will hopefully have a much better idea of what the issues are and what issues there might be of an estate planning nature that may very well be important to you and your family. Now, um, I'm going to follow my usual format today with questions and comments from around the state of California. If you're joining the show for the first time, I regularly on the show actually go through lists of fact situations and questions that come from all around the state of California, where people actually uh, have situations. These are real legal situations that people are facing, and they're looking for some guidance from attorneys such as myself. So let me take... um, Let me take, uh, let's see, this one right here. No, okay, I'm not going to take this one out of Oakland because it's not an estate planning situation. It's a family law situation. I find sometimes people post questions that are not in the appropriate area of law. That's fine. I don't expect people to actually understand um Uh, understand necessarily what area of law might be covered by their question. Okay. So this is an interesting one here. Person says, all of my assets are in a California irrevocable trust. Am I judgment-proof? What that means is, person said, if I get sued for anything, do I still have to answer a complaint? If it's filed against me, can I just not answer? Well, if you don't answer, then they will take what's called a default judgment. They'll get a judgment against you that can then be recorded and uh, be in effect for 10 years and then renewed for another 10 years, and then it goes away. Person said, I have an irrevocable trust. I'm living solely on SSI and Social Security and cannot afford an attorney. 
I have a trust that has a spendthrift clause, uh, but I do worry that my heirs would be affected by any judgments against me. It says I'm 75 years old and just too tired and broke to bother to answer a frivolous lawsuit. Well, this is probably more properly a debtor-creditor question, but kind of in general, if you have an irrevocable trust that was set up by someone else for your benefit, and it has specific limits in there on what the property can be used for, if you're not in charge of it, and uh, someone else is in charge of it, and is given the utter, complete discretion to use monies for your benefit or not, then you are generally judgment-proof, meaning someone cannot collect against the assets in that trust if they get a judgment against you. Now, a little caveat. Even with a trust like that, if you owe child or spousal support, Here in California, they're going to let those people go into this trust, even if it was set up by somebody else for your benefit. They're not going to let you hide inside the trust and uh, and avoid your legal obligations to pay child and spousal support. You also can't hide inside the trust if you owe tax authorities tax money, as I sometimes like to describe this, you can have a castle built for you with your inheritance or with other property put into it while you're alive that came from somebody else. And uh, and you can have a lot of protection. But certain types of creditors, such as those who are owed child and spousal support and the tax authorities, they have a special back door into the castle where they can go in and get paid. So Very high level of protection with a proper irrevocable trust set up by someone else for you, but uh, not complete protection when you're talking about uh, other types of obligations you may have to tax authorities or for spousal or child support. Okay, we're coming up on the first break of the show today, and when we come back, I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, Attorney Bob Bergman. And we'll continue after this commercial break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And welcome back to the second segment of our show today. There is a question that comes out of San Clemente, California. And the person says, My wife and I are residents of California where we own a home. We also own inherited property in Indiana, held in two Indiana single-member LLCs. That's a limited liability company. The attendant purpose of the LLCs is to limit our Liability in the case of a lawsuit. In other words, not to gain some tax or similar benefit. We have a disabled adult daughter who lives with us and an adult son who lives in a third state. I'm thinking we each need a power of attorney, a will, and a trust in each state of jurisdiction. Really? 
The answer is no, you don't. You're residents of California. You can set up an estate plan in California, and the California estate plan can own property in California and assets anywhere else in the United States, including two Indiana LLCs. And even that would be more a a matter of the trust that you set up being the member in the LLC, in other words, actually owning the LLC rather than an individual owning, uh, being the member of the LLC. Having a disabled adult daughter who lives with you, that means that there needs to be special attention to planning for that special needs daughter to make sure that there are assets available when you pass to provide for her, to make sure those assets are held properly in a supplemental needs trust. And if she's going to continue living in your home, that it's properly documented to the county when you pass that there's a disabled child that is living in the home Um, because that can cause a complete exclusion from reassessment of property taxes um, because of the fact of the disability. So there's some serious planning that needs to be considered in a situation like this, but you do not need to have a power of attorney, will, and a trust in every state where you own property, and certainly not a state just because you have a son, an adult son that lives in that other state. Um, all the planning can be done and should be done in uh, in the state where you're resident, which in this case is California. Out of Los Angeles, California, person says this, my grandmother has now passed leaving me as successor trustee to wind up her trust. The trust only holds title to her home in L.A. Do I file an affidavit of death and preliminary change of ownership now before the home is sold? It sounds like the person plans on selling Grandma's house. Yes, an affidavit, in this case, of death of trustee, or what I usually do, change of trustee, with the reason being due to the death of the trustee, and a change of ownership report will need to be filed at some point, but if the property is going to be sold, that's the kind of paperwork that can actually be filed with the recorder as part of the sale of the property. In other words, the affidavit filed and then a deed from the trust to the new purchaser of the property. Something to be aware of, though, since it says grandma has passed. Without more information, I can't tell whether or not there would be some exclusion for reassessment of the property taxes for this grandchild. Uh, There might be if grandma passed and left things to the grandchild and it was grandma's residence and the grandchild had no living parent who is considered a child of grandma, that would be the grandchild's parent, who is the son or daughter, would also include 
if the grandchild's other parent was still alive, if they're deceased or they got divorced from the child who was the child of the grandmother, then there could be an exclusion from reassessment. I bring this up because even though the property is being sold, if there's no exclusion from reassessment, there will in fact be a supplemental assessment of some kind that is going to actually uh, cause some more property taxes to be owing by the child, or by the grandchild, rather. Uh, and even if the property sold right away, one of the things the county is going to want to know is who gets the supplemental tax bill to pay for those uh, additional property taxes that might be owing. That's kind of esoteric. It's not going to apply to everybody who ends up in a situation like that, but it is something to be aware of, uh, namely that there could very well be property taxes owing as a result of grandma's death. So this kind of thing where someone should actually work with an attorney to make sure that the proper paperwork is filed with the county assessor. Okay. Here says, I'm asking the trustee of my dad's trust for a financial report on where his money went. There are three beneficiaries of my dad's trust. Do all three of the beneficiaries have to agree to uh, this request for a report? Or does the trustee have to do this only if one person requested it? Well, first of all, the trustee of a trust is supposed to account to the beneficiaries. And typically, that's at least on an annual basis. And the trust might provide that it has to be sooner than that. If the trustee of the trust has not provided any financial information to the beneficiaries, and it's been several months, the trustee of the trust might actually be in violation of the trust and the trust law. And it only takes one person requesting this. It doesn't take everybody together saying, we want information. Any one beneficiary can demand the information, and the trustee then has to comply with that request uh, according to law. And if they don't comply with that request, the beneficiary can go to court and have a court demand that accounting be provided. And if that accounting is not provided by the trustee, then the beneficiary could ask the court to remove the trustee as the trustee and appoint a new trustee, which might be the beneficiary himself or herself. So being a trustee is not a, a walk in the park. It's something you have to take seriously. You should always get legal advice when acting as a trustee, probably accounting advice as well. Coming up on the end of the second segment of the show today, the mid-show break, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I will catch up with you on the other side of the break. Talk with you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Hi, welcome back to the third segment of the show today. Continuing with more Plan Your Estate Radio and some questions and comments from around the state of California. I hear take another one out of Los Angeles. Person says, I have a living trust and I want to add a disability trustee clause. How does the disability trustee take over after some time of type of disability? Well, a well-drafted living trust will already have language that says there's a successor trustee that will actually take over when the trustee that's serving either resigns or becomes incapacitated, which would be the disability clause. Um, And typically... Um, there's a lot of different ways that can be done. Mine is done so that uh, that typically uh, the uh, successor trustee may be able to assert um, that the trustee is disabled. Uh, typically, it's going to look at having a uh, having a determination by a, a doctor who has examined the person. Or it may be obvious that they are disabled if they're, for example, in the hospital in a coma. Uh, so, but there's other reason or other ways someone might be disabled. Um, my trusts, for example, are broader than just someone has been declared to be incapacitated. I think you also have to examine what if the person has just disappeared. And it's been more than a month, and no one has any idea where the person is. How are things handled in a case like that? Well, without language like that, you could very well be forced to go to court to, uh, to get a disability trustee appointed by the court. And that's going to take time to do. And depending on what county you're in, it could be done maybe very quickly. Uh, other counties, it might have to be a noticed hearing. It'll be several months, which means several months where no one's actually minding the store. Uh, I'll use that term. No one's actually in charge. No one's actually handling anything. And that could be a problem. But let's also consider someone being disabled if they are in a situation where they literally are are unable to act. For example, they're being held prisoner somewhere. I don't mean they're a prisoner in a jail. I mean they're being held prisoner somewhere. Think, for example, back to the Iranian hostage crisis in the Jimmy Carter years, where our embassy in Tehran was taken over by uh, Iranians and all of our embassy personnel... Uh, our diplomatic staff and and everyone else there were held hostage for over a year. You could easily argue they had no way of communicating. They had no way of directing their own business or personal affairs. They had no way of signing their tax returns or interacting with government agencies or paying their bills. That's the kind of thing where you could say, yes, the person is incapacitated because they may be alive, 
physically and mentally well, but they're unable to act to look after business for themselves. So that would be another classic situation of being incapacitated. Most trusts that I've seen don't actually address a situation like that at all. They really don't. My trust does because that's the kind of thing where it could very well be a situation where someone is incapacitated and um, so there needs to be some kind of procedure in place so that your successor trustee can actually take over if they need to take over. And that's really what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so here's out of Oceanside, California. Someone was saying or asking the question, uh, I'm writing my brother to get a copy of my mom's trust. My part of my mom's trust is a special needs trust for me. My brother and I do not get along whatsoever. And I just want to make sure when I write this letter to him, asking for a copy of the trust, I ask for everything I'm entitled to, and I'm not sure what all that is. Well, first of all, if you're a beneficiary of the trust, you're entitled to a copy of the terms of the trust. And that's generally interpreted as meaning a copy of the trust itself. If your brother is acting as the trustee of this special needs trust for your benefit, you're also entitled to an accounting to be provided by your brother. And because this person's actually asking a question, that suggests to me that their special needs trust is not because of some kind of mental disability, but is more likely the result of some kind of physical disability. Um, so they're entitled to a copy of the terms of the trust. That is um, statutory. Um, and that's what you should ask for. Ask for an accounting and ask for a copy of the trust. Those are the things I would ask for. Okay. Moving on. All right. Um, so out of Rosamond, California, no idea where that is. I'm sure if you live there and know somebody who does, you know where it is. I'm guessing it's somewhere in Northern California. That's, that's kind of what I'm assuming to be the case. So here, there is land valued at $5,000 held by husband and wife as community property without rights of survivorship. Husband has died. Wife is looking to sell this property. What does she need to submit to the court to get the whole property under her name? Well, it's possible she doesn't have to submit anything to the court. She might be able to actually file paperwork directly with the county recorder asserting that the property is community property because that's what the title says. And as surviving spouse, it's now hers. If she has to go to court, she has to file a petition, what's called a spousal property petition, 
that would assert that half the property is already hers and the other half of the property actually passes to her because it is community property and presumably the husband did not have any kind of a will. It's not really clear from looking at this whether or not that's the case, but uh, that would be generally what you would do is uh, you might not necessarily have to go to court, but uh, you, you may be able to do it without actually going to court. Okay, out of Huntington Beach, California, person says, I'm in the process of getting a divorce from my spouse. I want to remove my spouse as the beneficiary of my revocable trust. The trust was funded through my family inheritance before marriage, and I am sole grantor and sole trustee. Can I remove her as the beneficiary after she has filed for divorce? Okay, well, if it in fact is your separate trust with your separate property, and she's just named as the beneficiary after you die, yes, you may remove her as the beneficiary after she has filed for divorce. It wouldn't matter if she'd filed for divorce or not. If it's, in fact, your separate trust with your separate property, your spouse has no direct claim of any kind to any of that property that was your separate inheritance and would be separately coming to you as a result of, uh, or will be separately came to you as an inheritance, and you've kept it completely separate from the marriage the whole time. Okay. Um, a friend and his two sisters' father died 16 months ago. He had a substantial estate. His wife, their stepmother, is the executor of the estate. Now, that implies that there was no will or just a will. She never read the will or trust, but did distribute cash and property to the heirs, which presumably included the friend and two sisters. Today, finally, I convinced them to ask her very nicely to see the will or trust, and she immediately became defensive, saying, It's none of your business, before hanging up. This obviously was a red flag. The heirs are very nice, trusting, and afraid to rock the boat. They never got a copy of the will or trust or any accounting of property. What to do? Well, they have two choices. Number one, don't do anything at all, which sounds like that is the default choice um, and, and the choice that they're interested in now. Or give a formal demand that they actually get provided a copy of the will or trust. If there's a will, it had to have been filed somewhere. If it wasn't, they're entitled to a copy of it, absolutely, and also a copy of the trust if they're named as beneficiaries. We'll come back after this commercial break and finish out the show. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. 
Hi, welcome back to the final segment of our show today with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Out of my own town of San Jose, California, person says, my mom lives with me for the last five years, has no money here but some in India in a bank. How can she give charge of it to me? Uh, I need to do this as soon as possible. She's 90, over 90 years old and in delicate health. Well, the, the person wants to know, what kind of legal paperwork do I need? My answer to that is, you need to talk to a solicitor in India about what you may actually need to, um, to do. Because it, it is really a question of, it's really a question of the law of India, not something you can do here in California. So that's what I would suggest to this person is you need to actually uh, you need to actually consult with somebody in India, uh, not an attorney here in California. Okay, here Bakersfield, California. Someone is asking, can a person in California State Prison incarcerated for a felony receive an inheritance? The short answer is yes. In this case, it says, I'm helping my mother with her estate planning and the distribution to beneficiaries from her family trust. She wants to leave a portion of her estate to her grandson, who's been in California State Prison for 15 years. He has paid restitution for his original crime, which suggests that he doesn't owe anything to anybody. Can his portion of the estate remain in the family trust until he's released? Answer, yes, as long as it specifies that's going to happen. Will the state be able to seize all or part of the inheritance for any specific reason? Answer, probably not if he has paid restitution already and doesn't owe anybody anything. But I would certainly make sure that the property is left in trust for the grandson in such a way, actually, that the grandson doesn't get direct access or to control to it after he's released from prison. That would enable it to be as much as possible, um, subject to being safe from seizure by a creditor of any kind. That's another variation of what I've referred to on the show over the years as the castle trust planning, leaving property in trust for somebody in a castle. That's what I call it. From Canoga Park, California. It says, my sister moved into my parents' house about a year ago. Both of my parents have passed. My dad passed in November of 2021. My mother passed in February of this year. They had a revocable living trust that named me 100% successor trustee by myself. My sister that lives in the house refuses to leave. He, her and my other sister are mad at me and are petitioning in probate to remove me as the trustee, or petitioning for probate to remove me as executor 
but there's nothing to probate. Yeah, there would be nothing to probate if there's actually a living trust that owns everything. It says the house is already transferred into my name through the living trust. How can I get her out of the house? There's no lease and she pays no bills. Okay, sounds like you have a really great relationship with this sister. Yes, insert sarcasm voice here. If the sister is living in the house and the house was left to you by your parents and you have transferred it into your name from the trust and she's not paying rent, she has no lease and she's not paying any expenses of any kind, you can evict her from the house. It's your house. She has no right to be there. She's what we call a tenant at will, meaning she can be a tenant in the property as long as you will that, meaning permit that or allow that. So you might have to evict your sister. It sounds like in this case you're not going to be too sad if you evict your sister because she and your other sister are going to court trying to make life miserable for you. Sorry to hear that, but that's the short answer. She's just like any other person that would be sitting in your property and doesn't have a right to be there. You can evict her. Okay, here. We created an estate plan. This is out of Oakland, California. We created an estate plan in 2013. Since that time, my wife's name has changed, and we would like to change other items, such as guardianship for our children. I figured out how to create some of these docs online but I'm unsure on a couple of items. You know what? Sorry, just check the clock. Running out of time today. I will probably pick this up next Friday. I want to let you all know that my workshop for this coming Monday is sold out, but I've opened a new workshop on November 9th. You can go to my website at lawbob.com, click on the button to register for workshop, and you can register for that workshop. It's on a Wednesday in the middle of the day, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So if you'd like to learn more about estate planning, that's a great way to do it. There's no cost at all. So until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. You have a great weekend, Bay Area. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.